Hi, everyone. This is Sarah McFarland from Inside Scientific, the online environment for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content that helps you do your best work. Today's episode of Expert Answers features Dr. Louise Naylor from the University of Western Australia, who recently joined us for the fourth webinar in the Cardiovascular Connection series, a joint webinar series brought to you by Inside Scientific, the American Physiological Society, and the European Council for Cardiovascular Research. Her presentation explored the benefits of exercise to optimize and maintain the cardiovascular system. Let's dive in. Okay, so this person has asked, does the magnitude of the response to exercise differ with ethnicity? Good question. So there was recently a paper, and I've referenced it, the Lancet paper in the initial part of my presentation today, which actually goes into the different responses. And they looked at a large number of people from all different types of countries. There were 70 countries that were involved in this. And what they were able to show was that the benefits of exercise were there regardless of the socioeconomic status and regardless of which country you're in. So don't know if we can answer yet whether the magnitude changes, but we definitely know the benefit is the same and that it is still significant. I'll refer you back to that. And I'm pretty sure it was um, published in The Lancet just this year. Great. Next question here. First, a compliment. Brilliant work and thank you. And the question is, can you comment on what causes the increase in the LV wall? Is it more blood? Is it more tissue? Is it a combination of both? We are actually seeing that there's a growth in the myocardial tissue. So there is a growth there, which which is caused by the increased load that comes so that it can accommodate holding more blood. There were some studies done by Ben Levine and his group, particularly in Dallas in um, America, where they were looking at whether you change the volume and whether that is what is affecting it or not. So you can change the preload and the way that they did that was by infusing saline. And so that is part of what we are seeing, but obviously with time that ventricle is going to get larger and that is not just that you're stretching it further, but you're also then accommodating by building more tissue. We also know, well, theoretically, that if you do more resistance training, then there's going to be more increase in the cardiomyocytes, which is going to be the left ventricular mass that is being induced by an increase in the wall thickness and cardiac muscle rather than volume overload. I hope that answers your question. I think it does. Fantastic. Okay, next question here. This is a long one, so I'll read it. In relation to the excessive exercise that you mentioned early in the, in the talk, given that these studies typically do not differentiate between the manner in which the dose of exercise is made up, could the issue be that many of those training at high doses are not distributing intensity appropriately? So for example, they're training too hard for too long or too hard for not long enough? Lovely. Thank you, John, for that question. Yes, it is something. And in the exercise physiology literature, we talk about polarized training. So polarized training is the concept where you don't do all of your training flat out. And in fact, what we've seen from a lot of elite athletes around the world is when you look at their training consumption, it's made up of basically 80% or 75 to 80% of low intensity exercise. And there's only uh, the last 20 or 25%, which is made up from that high intensity. Whereas a lot of people, when you're starting off, you want to 
do as much as possible. And so there is probably something to do with not getting enough of recovery. And I mentioned, especially with the fibrosis and the scarring of the ventricles, we're seeing that with individuals where there is a excessive and continuous too much, too high, too high volume, too high intensity without enough recovery in it as well. So while it's not all of us and not the people who are under a good program, particularly those people that are seeing a little bit more of the events, like those stories that we hear about where someone has an event during a um, marathon or a fun run or something like that, that is more likely to occur in people who haven't trained as much. So that does indicate to us that maybe if we aren't balancing our intensity and our volume, then that puts us at a higher risk. So I feel that polarised training might actually be the way to go and that we should be listening to our bodies and giving it a bit of a rest and not always be pushing to our maximum to try to get maximal benefits. Great. Awesome insights there. Okay, next question here. Has there been any evidence of isometric exercise impacting cardiac structure slash function? Good question. A little bit. It's hard to distinguish and differentiate because the acute changes is something that we're just starting to look at. So we've recruited a group of PhD students at the moment where we'll be looking at what actually happens during or immediately after an acute exercise bout. When you're looking at an elite athlete that has had lifelong history of exercise training, we can't really differentiate whether that training is isometric or isotonic or what the majority of it is. So we don't yet, as far as I know, have the answer to this, but um, we'll be looking more and more at it. So over the next couple of years, hopefully, um, we'll be able to answer that question about your um, isometrics. Amazing and a great avenue for future research there. Would results in left ventricular hypertrophy be similar between high intensity interval training and steady state endurance training? I knew that question would come. High intensity interval training seems to be everywhere. Everyone's interested in it. There is probably some evidence to show um, Erin Howden and her work really looking around high intensity exercise training, what happens there. And because there will be larger changes in the preload or the afterload, depending on which type of training that you're doing, but this was endurance, I think, so more preload. Potentially, we're seeing some signals that there might be slightly larger or different um, changes there. But again, how do we distinguish what it is acutely that's causing that adaptation when you're repetitively having stimuli again and again over a period of sustained three months or, or more that you need to have adaptations? So yeah, thank you for that question as well. hope you enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers and that you'll tune in to future episodes where researchers just like you answer questions about their work, offer tips, tricks, and best practices, but most of all, share science. Don't forget to subscribe.